another episode of the Messy Reformation. My name's Jason Rice. I'm the lead pastor at Faith Community CRC in Beaver Dam, Wisconsin. My co-host is Willie Cronkey. He's a member at Pease CRC in Pease, Minnesota. We're just a couple of guys who love the Christian Reformed Church and want to see Reformation happen in our denomination. But whenever Reformation happens, it's always messy. And as we see Reformation happening right now in the Christian Reformed Church, it's getting messy. So we're taking the opportunity to have conversations with pastors throughout the Christian Reformed Church to find out what's going on in our denomination, but also to talk about what Reformation might look like. We are so thankful to have such a great group of faithful listeners each week and such faithful supporters who are sharing our content with everyone. Keep up the good work. Reformation is happening. If you haven't already, take a moment, click subscribe so you don't miss any of our upcoming content. We are dropping episodes every single Monday. With all that said, we're going to get to this week's episode, which is part two of our conversation with Brian Cornelis. Probably near the root, if not at the root, is a is a loss of the love of the word of God, a loss of trembling at the word of God, a loss of a loss of um, confidence in the word of God, and that's concerning. Mm-hmm. Where, where where you see that leading, I think that's what's to some degree underneath a lot of the particular concerning trends. Um, so you know, I pray earnestly for that. For, for a return of a trembling at the word of God, for men in the pulpit to preach it with confidence. Yeah. And for the people now, do you who have, refuse to love it. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Do you have thoughts on, on how you think we got there as a denomination? Because, you know, I don't know. And maybe, I don't know. I, I, I talked to some people and they would say that the opposite was true 50, 60 years ago. Um, and now, and now we're, you know, in a whole yeah. different direction. And I still talk to people. Um, I, I, to be honest, I shake my head and, uh, but I still talk to people who they look at the CRC and they say, oh, we're just too heady and too theological, too biblically focused. And I just go like, what denomination are you in? But, yeah. but do you have thoughts on like how we got there and even how maybe we're, cause you laughed, so you would agree, but how we've yeah. even, we're even like self-deceived in, in our view of our denomination in that. Sure. Vein. Sure. You know, again, I, I just don't, I don't feel like I'm so thoroughly well connected enough, like, so that, you know, my observations are really anecdotal, but, and I'd also say it's hard for me to separate this from personal experience that that's, part of the lens I can't help but view this through. And, you know, I think about my time, as I was telling you guys earlier, serving uh, as a missionary in Austria. And um, I'll tell you, I came to a a really serious place of conviction and repentance when that was over. And um, it's still uh, emotional for me to think about and talk about uh, the way the Lord really convicted me there, because there was such opportunity and there's people from all over the world and in the school where I taught and the church where I preached. And uh, there was such, there became, there came such an anxiety to reach these people 
that it, it led me slowly to abandon confidence in the exposition and preaching of the gospel from the scriptures and to try all kinds of other things. And, you know, it happens slowly and it happens sometimes beginning with good intentions. And it's like, um, no, I have to rely more on apologetics and philosophical arguments. I have to rely more on putting the right kind of, uh, you know, accoutrements around this service. And you start to think attractionally and I just see, I can look back and like that, my own experience is like a sad parable of that. And, um, and uh, I, I had to repent in, in dust and ashes for, uh, for the way I lost confidence in the word of God and the, the opportunities that were missed for the gospel there. And a lot of that came through uh, listening to the preaching of R.C. Sproul and uh, I read Christianity and Liberalism by Machen. And that brought me to my knees. Yeah. And um, so, you know, if I imagine that that experience to some degree is repeated and has been repeated, you know, in, in our circles and in our culture, uh, in anxiety to reach people and keep people and uh, a slowly degrading confidence in the ordinary means that God has given us to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's a good point. I was actually just reading parts of uh, Christianity and liberalism a little bit ago. And this is kind of a question for both of you. Do you guys not think that that is just a book that ministers and church leaders should really be reading, not just in the CRC, but throughout evangelicalism as a whole today? I mean, I, I think it speaks to so much that we, obviously, Machen was wrestling with, you know, almost a century ago. And do you think do you think we could kind of, you know, delve into some of those wiser parts of him? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I've been uh I've been I, I have it on Audible, so I have the audio book of it. And so I've been listening to it almost once every six months <laughs> for the oh, last wow. few years, just as a as I'm out working in my shop because I can kind of listen to it and and uh, no, it's been one of those books that grabs me every time I listen to it. And I think, mm-hmm. boy, I need more of this in me um, at this point in history. And so, yeah, I 100%, 100% agree. Um, yeah. And Brian, I think you hit on something really important that um, sometimes it's easy for us to get lost. Uh, we, we can lose that perspective in the heat of the battle, but, but the, the slip uh, away from God's word, I think, too, I think, comes from good intentions. Um, yeah. I think there, you know, and, and it's not just you. I've had a lot of conversations with people who have said, we need to do this, this, and this in order to save the the young people, right? Or right. whatever. Right. So that's um, just a couple, cla- well, before COVID. So maybe a little over a year ago, I had a conversation at a classes meeting with um, an elder from another congregation. And he said, we have, to, you know, I mean, just he it was really heartfelt. So we need to stop using styrofoam cups or we're not going to save the next generation wow. because yeah. they're all green <laughs> conscious. Right. And I was yeah. like, and he was saying it like just, you know, and I, part of me wants to laugh and part of me goes, yeah. he really, really wants to see the next generation right. saved. And, and he thinks that this is going to be something that will, will help them with that. And I hear that with, um, the arguments against the sexuality report, right? A couple, yeah. a lot of the big 
the big argument saying we can't adopt this because this will be the most divisive thing. And really what they're saying is divisive means we're going to lose a bunch of people. We're not going to be able to reach this group of people if we make this comment. And and so it's it's a lot of pragmatic arguments, Um, but it flows from a heart, I think. Well, to say it in a positive way, it flows from a heart to reach people. Yeah. Um, but you you yeah. flip it around and you look at the negative too. Is we're also you know the CRC has been shrinking and dying for how many years, and so there's yeah. a fear that we're just going to completely die, and so they're worried. Some are worried too. If we make this decision, you know the denomination's going to die completely. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It, the, the irony is that we actually accelerate our irrelevance the less confident we are in the Bible being preached and believed. So, um, yeah. Yeah. Well, expand on that a little bit. Well, uh, the, the most relevant thing to people who are at enmity with God is the voice of God that convicts of sin and offers his son. And uh, the most relevant thing to saints who are struggling uh, with all of their afflictions and doubts and troubles is the voice of God convicting of sin, and offering the grace in his son. So um, to seek the lost and disciple the found, there's nothing more relevant. And uh, so to avoid that, yeah, we accelerate our irrelevance. And again, it's nearsighted, and it comes from this anxiety. And I try to remind myself of my own, you know, experience so that you stay humble and, and gracious. And when you get frustrated, where the word of God is not honored, but um, it needs to be. Amen. Yeah, I I actually remember just a personal anecdote also from Synod 2019. Uh, I do remember a couple of conversations that I had with the editor of the banner. uh, And I didn't realize that it was uh, a tradition that every year at Synod, the young adults get to meet with the editor and kind of have a conversation about certain literature or ideas to, Mm. you know, propagate, you know, the CRC message throughout the denomination and continue to reach younger people. And everything that I heard had to do with one thing and one thing only. And it was, it was pragmatism. Uh, It it was pragmatics. It had absolutely nothing to do with uh, being equipped in the word, being taught, being discipled, being trained. And I remember as, as one of the minorities in that idea, I remember telling them all, I really do think that pragmatics for young people is going to be the door out of the church, not into the church. Uh, And that was kind of met with sharpness uh, that that they were kind of taken back and they were saying, well, what do you think about this? And what do you think about that? And I said, I think if you just give us, first of all, give us a little bit of credit uh, as far as younger people who are capable of leadership roles if you continue to give us and offer us the ordinary means of grace, the marks of the true church, then I really think you're going to see younger people stepping up and, and taking form into their roles where God has gifted them. I don't know. Do you guys kind of see that too? Yeah, I would agree. I, yeah, that, that metaphor, um, this isn't original to me. I, I don't, and I don't remember where I heard it, but you know, there was the idea that, um, all these, uh, pragmatism driven attractional strategies would be like the idea was like oh it'll be like the front porch of the house you know 
It's a way to get people onto the front porch and then they're more likely to walk in the door. Mm. Um, but what the way it turned out, and I think there's some, some, some more statistics to show it, it turned out really to be like the back porch to ease the way of people out of the house. And um, I just think that's, that's a pretty uh, vivid picture, but it seems, it seems somewhat true. Yeah. Yeah. No, I a hundred percent agree. I, I've seen that over and over and we've seen the opposite of it too. It's one of the reasons why Willie and I are so um, passionate about this and sometimes called stubborn about this, but we, you know, the, the youth ministry that we led for so long was really focused on the means of grace. That was, that was what we did. And we watched it build up teenagers we we've we saw we've still see a bunch of the young adults that came out of our youth ministry serving in leadership roles in their church and and we've just watched them be solid godly young adults seeking after him and uh and it was good and and the the frustrating part of it was is you know we would help try to help certain people see that some some people look at our ministry and say oh there's it's so it's kind of not that important it's kind of a failure they're like, what, you have like 25, 30 kids in it or something like that, you know, and, and they would like downplay it because of the pragmatic thing. And I kept saying, man, do you right. see we've got a kid serving in this church? We've got a young adult in this church, all of these yeah. kids that have been discipled. And uh, like, think of the impact that they're having more than having a, you know, a hundred person youth group that's, you know, right. drinking Cokes and eating ding dongs or whatever that like that, right. what is that doing? Um, right. But 30 kids being discipled is, is powerful. Because then, then the thing is, then they'll go and they'll look for, they'll go and look for churches that were like their youth group. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, well, what kind of church do you want them to look for when they leave? Yeah, exactly. And that was that was that one of the when God convicted me really, really hard was, um, you know, this conviction of what's my role when I was in youth ministry. What's my role yeah. in youth ministry? It's to prepare a next generation to be God's people. And so you don't do that by making your youth ministry look a hundred times different than the ministry happening on a Sunday morning. Right. (laughs) And so my role was to actually get them to be regular worshipers on a Sunday morning with the rest of God's people. And and we told them that all the time in our youth ministry too. We said, if you're going to skip something, skip youth group and go worship with the rest of the body, because that's way more important than what we're doing here. Um, That's why we're, what we're trying to do. And we saw that we had, this we had great success with it and uh, it was fun to see we would have a group of teenagers sitting in the front row of church with bibles and journals out taking notes during the sermon and and stuff like that that there was a pretty powerful um culture at hungering after god's word it, it was really cool and so um we've seen the benefits of just trusting god focusing on the means of grace stripping away all of this other junk that gets thrown in there and you sometimes even as a pastor right you feel pressure to to give into some of that kind of stuff rather than just focus on that and so yeah it's been it's been helpful for me and and in my pastoral role now too i gotta keep remembering just like the main thing i need to do each week is give the word of god to his people in preaching and in and pastoral care whatever that's my job and uh, god will work from there yeah, absolutely. That's wonderful. That's encouraging. Yeah. So Brian, we've, we've kind of hit on a lot of stuff in this podcast, but uh, 
Earlier, we talked about strengths that you've seen in the CRC. Um, What are some things that have kind of concerned you or that you kind of perceive as weaknesses in our denomination right now? Uh, Yeah, again, I think, um, well, one of the things, this this just pops into mind, I guess there's many things we could say, but um, I wish we had a stronger seminary. I wish that too. I think that's a concerning, uh, and I say that with some experience because one of my brothers is a student student there now, and we talk often about the struggle that that is for him. And um, so that's another thing I guess I would point to. Um, I wish we had a we'd be we'd be more blessed if we had a, a stronger seminary. Um, you know, I think I went to Calvin Seminary and graduated in 2011, and um, it's a lot different than it was then. And I think when I was there, I got a good reformed theological education. Um, but I think even then, what probably was missing, and now there might be, there seems like there's more missing, but what was even missing then, I would say, is a, re- a real sense of what pulpit ministry is. Not, not, not the how-to in terms of communication and how to, you know, how to speak and how to engage it. No, but like a, a theological convictional vision of what pulpit ministry is, what preaching is, what it's for. And um, that I had to learn a lot of that after I left um, and read some other books and, and have that filled in. And so I'm trying to pass some of that stuff on to my brother while he's going through Calvin. So, amen. I, yeah, I'd wholeheartedly agree. And I know the change I came in. So I started at Calvin in 2013. And it was right in those years, 2010, 2013, where things started to change. And uh, there was a lot of conversation going on at Synod. Um, So even though I wasn't ordained, I paid attention to what was going on at Synod because I'm, I guess, nerdy like that. But um, but there was a lot of conversation. They were worried about all these pastors who were um, getting ordained and then saying, boy, I never learned how to pastor a church in, in, in seminary, you know, that we need more. There were tons of pastors saying we need more practical ministry. We need more practical ministry. We need more practical ministry. And so then they started shifting the coursework to be more practical ministry stuff. And, uh, and so a lot of my coursework was what you would call quote unquote practical ministry stuff. And I felt like I lost a lot of the theological depth that I went there for. And a lot of the professors too, that I, I went there for that were professors you had left. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I mean, we've had a ton of turnover at the seminary and there will be continued turnover in the next few years as well. And so it's, it's changing a lot, but, but that's the funny thing is when I I've told people this, um, I think I've probably said it on this podcast a hundred times, but I've told a few people like my biggest frustration with seminary was that it was theologically shallow. I felt, sure, and uh, I get wide eyes, and they're like, "No, no, 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 not in the Christian Reformed Church. We're all too heady. We need to be." And I'm like, "No, that's actually was my frustration. Like my bachelor's right. of ministry was really good, um, and that was really theologically deep and rich. And I didn't feel. I mean, I built upon that in seminary, obviously, but but I was expected." I was expecting it to be deeper. Sure. Yeah. But I I really, you need need, uh, men coming out of there who, who have a blood earnestness in the pulpit. And that's, that's just not being 
communicated or caught by by a lot of people and that's too bad yeah what what were some of those books that you read on uh, on a pulpit presence and the purpose of the pulpit I, I love some good book recommends for myself or any of our listeners sure. though the two biggest that stand out right away are martin lloyd jones preaching and preachers and uh john piper preaching in the supremacy of god those yeah. probably would be near the top of the list yeah amen um both i highly recommend both of them they're also one of the courses um and i can't remember you can find it on desiring god somewhere um but john piper has like it's like a two or a three-part course on preaching and they're like two to three hour long sessions where he walks through the purpose of preaching and exegetically talking about it, but then how he breaks down a passage and how he even preps a sermon. Um, that was really how I learned how to preach way before I went to seminary. Just sure. I, I started in youth ministry, realized I needed to felt this call to preach and realized I needed to figure out how to do that. And, uh, and so, um, but I forget what it is. The prophet as expositor preaching as expository exaltation, maybe something like yeah. that sounds, yeah, that's his sounds, definition. Yeah. It sounds like Piper anyways. Yeah. <laughs> um, but if you go on desiring God, you'll find it and it's phenomenal. It's worth, it's worth watching the videos and, yeah. uh, and uh, learning what the, the power of preaching. Cause that was one of the things that I, I also um, recognized and um, the importance of it. And, and again, watched fruit come out of just preaching through, preaching through books of the Bible, or even with our youth ministry, we preached, I did old school and did one week, you know, each Lord's day of the catechism once a week and just worked my way through that with, with our youth ministry as well. And that was, um, that was huge too. Yep. Yeah. I would piggyback on what, uh, something you just mentioned also, and just recommend sequential exposition as the steady diet for the church. I think that's really, really needed. Um, you know, for, for multiple reasons, uh, it, it keeps, it keeps the preacher from avoiding hobby horses and, uh, it gives people God's word in the sequence in which he gave it to us. Uh, and you can't skip the parts you'd like to skip. And so, yeah, I strongly commend that. Yeah. And I've recognized, um, people are hungry for it too. And, yeah. uh, um, you know, I, I did it with our youth group and they were just kind of held captive, but I mean, we, we did like two years through the book of John. And so we drug it, I, we took it real slow and worked through it. And, and, uh, you know, I did hear a couple from a couple of them that it was like, oh, maybe it would have, it was a little long, but, but otherwise, I mean, that's two years through a book that is pretty long. But, um, but when I started at this church, um, I was kind of warned, like, well, most of the pastors before this did you know, kind of topical sermons and maybe four, five, five sermons in a series at most. And I was like, well, that's not what I do. Um, mm-hmm. And so they were like, I don't know if the church is going to like it. And so I started, I started off slower. I didn't jump in and go two years through the book of John. I did like six, seven weeks through the book of Ephesians or something like that, but um, they were hungry for it. They still are. They, they, have said, wow, we've never had a pastor preach through a book of the Bible like this before. And we love it. We kind of know what's coming up. We're re- mm-hmm. They'll prep ahead. They'll read some of the passages coming up next because they know what I'm going to be preaching on next week. And, yes. and uh, it's been, it's been really good. They they've eaten it up. 
And so not only is it like, I think biblically what we're called to do and it's helpful, but, but I think people also just pragmatically, they, they like it. That's how God's wired us to, to feed on his word. Yeah, that's great. I'm encouraged by that. My, my experience would probably mirror that pretty closely being here almost four years. And similarly, there wasn't, as far as I could tell, regular sequential exposition in the pulpit. And so also started it slowly, tried to grow the appetite and the attention span for it. Uh, but I would also echo that as we've done that, the response has been largely positive. And uh, that's really encouraging. The sheep will yeah. know the shepherd's voice. Amen. Yeah. And that's what I did too. I slowly built up. I mean, we did five, six part series through shorter books, but um, I just finished, well, I'm finishing up a series through Ruth that was 12 sermons long. I did through Revelation in like 18 or 19. So I've been able to do some pretty long ones and uh, they've, I have not heard any complaints from the church about going too long. So that's, that's been good. So as we've kind of been talking about, you know, solutions to where we're at, I, I just kind of want to, you know, piggyback on that, Brian. Um, you know, we see a lot of things going on in the denomination right now. Obviously, the, the sexual ethics report is before us. Uh, the issue of church discipline is before us. The issue of penal substitution potentially being abandoned is before us. Uh, so those are all really huge issues that the CRC is struggling with right now. Um, I'm kind of wondering kind of what your opinion is, you know, is is there too much salt in the sugar bowl to call it sugar anymore? Uh, uh, If if we like that terminology, Uh, or do you think that uh, the Lord can and will bring reformation uh, in this body? That is the CRC. What, what are some things that you kind of see going on there? Yeah, well, I certainly think that he can. Uh, I have no doubt about that. There's always reason for hope. Um, there's always, uh, I have no doubt in the power of the Lord of the church. Um, but will he, I don't know. Um, you know, and then individual churches and councils and church members and pastors have to decide, you know, when they can no longer in good conscience, um, be joined covenantally to a body that say, accepts the denial of penal substitution or abandons historic biblical sexual ethics. Uh, um, I think the next, the next year is going to be really, really crucial. And the next Senate will, will probably be pretty decisive for a lot of people. Um, And I think we should, as I know you guys would agree, pray earnestly plead with the Lord for the church and plead with the Lord for God-fearing people to rise up and lead it. And it can't be done. Amen. Yeah. Do you have a word um, that you'd give to other pastors? We, we actually have pastors listening um, from throughout all the CRC right now, up in Canada, down in Texas and East coast, West coast, all throughout the CRC listening to this podcast, what, what word would you give them kind of leading up to this next um, synod coming up? Again, I would say, pray, pray fervently. You know, uh, there's great, we know this from scripture. There's great power when you're before the Lord on your knees, humbled and you have, you feel the weight of the reality that Jesus is the King and he's the Lord of the church. And 
um, and you've come under the weight of the reality that you're a, you're you're called as an under shepherd and um, pray fervently and and conduct your ministry with that weighty proper fear of the Lord who's the Lord of the church and and he'll bless that that's kind of what I was going to point to you know Paul's you know final prayer and blessing or whatever and to the Ephesians you know now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than we could ask or think and then he says according to the power that is at work within us I was just gonna you know pray that his work would still be at work uh, in the Christian Reformed Church right now to bring reformation and revitalization. That's all we have for this week. Stay tuned next week for our conversation with David Fettis. Until then, don't forget, this is Christ's church, and he bought it with his blood. And we've been warned that wolves will come in trying to destroy the flock. So keep a close watch on your life and on your doctrine. Preach the word in season and out of season and keep fighting the good fight in this messy reformation.